This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled 30th Anniversary. This is the first message in the series, Live Sent. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Well, there you have it. Yes, 30 years together. Wow, what fun. What a great day to celebrate. And I've been reminiscing, (laughs) looking back on the kindness of God to me. Here's what I mean. And you might take a moment, do the same in your own mind. See, I can remember back. I was nine years old when I was rescued. As in when I came into relationship with God through Jesus. God made it obvious to me. Uh, when I was in the church, Berkeley Hills Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I will never forget. I can take you to the day. It was the evening service and, and the moment. And it was marking n- never the same. In fact, I was 16 years old. And that was marking. God was transforming my life. And as God was transforming my life, it was when I was 16 that, that God uh, called me to be a pastor. Some of you have read the, the book Home Runner. You've heard me tell the story. So on November 13th of 1977 at 10.55 p.m., God used Isaiah chapter 61 to solidify, want you to be a pastor. And that was a powerful marking time. When I was 26 years old, oh, so long ago, God sent us to plant 12 Stone Church, and uh, that's what God does. He, he sends you to do the things on mission he's called you, and now I'm just going to have to own it. I can't run from it. I'm 56 years old, and we're celebrating 30 years as a church, and that's an awesome thing. That's great fun. And you wouldn't know this, you wouldn't know this, but when I was 26, what I prayed is I asked God, would you give Marsha and I a a place and a people to fall in love with and do ministry together for 40 years? And uh, who knows? I mean, we we have no idea if we get the 40 years. I can tell you this, we've fallen in love with Greater Gwinnett. We've fallen in love with you. We love uh, being your pastor. We love what we get to do together as a church. We love you, and we love what God's going to continue to do. So it's exciting stuff. Now, I don't know if you'll put up with me for like 10 more years. But I know I get to do the next season with you. And one of the beautiful things about this this journey with God and, and adding years of experience is that complex things become more simple. Now stay with me. I don't mean that they become simpler to live or do. I just mean that over time, very complex things bubble up to really clear things. You know what matters most. Let me give you a sentence that God has been bubbling up over the years. Here it is. Live better than living for self. Live sent. Jot it down. Put it in your notes. Live better than living for what? Self. Live better than living for yourself. Live what? Sent. Live sent. This is about to take on new meaning for us as a church. Now, I say it's simple because of this. All of us know that we are in a tug of war between self and what I'll just call right now scent. Because self is all about selfish and scent is all about surrender to God. Scent, self is all about me, right? And, and scent is really all about God. And so there is a tug of war and that tug of war has been going on for the whole 30 years. And you know, I know, 
I know that self is a small way to live and, and, and doing the work of God and being sent and being on mission for God is the bigger way to live. I know that self eventually, if I just live a selfish life and about myself, it eventually not becomes a smaller life, but it becomes more broken and empty. And, and I know that living a sent life where God's the center and it's about him and I'm surrendered, that I get a bigger life and it's a blessed life. And it's a fulfilling life. And yet I can still be drawn to being about myself. (laughs) The the conversation is that simple. It's just hard to do. The Apostle Paul, as I was been in the last few months sitting in the book of Acts, looking at his life, walked a path that's similar to what I described in my world. The first thing you see in Paul's life is that he was rescued. Say it with me. He was what? rescued, meaning you see on the road to Damascus, he's brought into relationship with God through Jesus. He figures out who Jesus is. And then if you study his life, he was being transformed, being what everybody? Transformed in his thinking and his living. And then he was sent, say it with me, he was what? Sent. And the whole book of Acts is the church being launched and you see that Paul gets sent. This, we're going to unpack this today. God has his next to new for us rooted in this living scent thought. And we're going to do exactly what the campus pastors have said at all the campuses. And that is we're going to remember, we're going to rejoice, and we're going to re-up. So let's remember. It's in your notes. Let's follow along. In fact, let's grab our Bibles and go right to it. Acts chapter 17, page 1110, 1110, Acts chapter 17. And we already have the story of Paul being sent. The church is going forward. I'll start reading and you can catch up. Verse 1, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Now, in other words, he was already in Thessalonica now. This, this is where God sent him to do the work of God. This was his for the moment, Gwinnett County, greater Gwinnett County, if you will. Verse 2, now that if you're there with me on page 1110, Acts chapter 17, verse 2. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining. What was he doing? He was explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. He's the what, everybody? Messiah, meaning this, he's the rescuer. We have a rescuer. Jesus has come. He's the Messiah to rescue us. Now, hang on. You don't need a rescuer if you don't need rescuing. Right? I mean, it begs the question, who needs to be rescued? Let let, let me do it this way. This is my kind of sick way of thinking. All right, so let me play it out for you. Let's say this week I send you a text. Okay, and here's what the text says. It, 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 it dings, and here's the text when you read it. It says, guess what? I've won the lottery. I'll clear about 40 million after taxes. Yes. Marsha and I are flying up to New York City, first class all the way to see some shows and have fun for a few days and celebrate. Please come rescue us. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Your text back is gonna be, dude, Rescue you from what? (laughs) I want to join you, right? In fact, at that moment, you're thinking, aren't we close? (laughs) Right? I mean, if I came into 40 million, you and I are close friends, aren't we? I thought so. Because listen, listen, when, when somebody's having a party, you don't rescue them, you join them. Okay, erase all that. All right, start all over. All right, now this time I send you a text, and here's what the text says. 
Marsha and I have been in a serious car crash. We're at Spaghetti Junction. I'm hurt. Marsha's pinned in the car and not responding. Please get help and come rescue. You read that text immediately. What is your disposition? See, immediately there's compassion, urgency, and you take action. Yes? In fact, you should write those words down. Compassion, urgency, action. See, I don't know exactly what your text would say, but, but it would probably say something like this. PK, I'm praying, I'm sending help, and I'm on my way. Now, I, I, that's never happened to me. I, I, we've, ne- we've never had that kind of a, a serious car wreck. The closest we've ever come to something that was just uh, that uh, terrifying and undoing to me was eight years ago when Marsha had the bicycle accident. Some of you were part of the church. Some of you remember that story. Uh, we were up in North Georgia mountains, and she was uh, riding a bicycle. Nobody was, was around. She was just kind of working out, and uh, she was coming down a hill 20-some miles an hour. She didn't have a helmet or anything. She was just in her workout clothes, and, and we don't know what happened, but she clearly went over the handlebars head first, and... Uh, a mailman found her unconscious, uh, called the, the EMTs, and by the time they figured out where we were in the cabin connected to her, I got uh, there when she was in the ambulance and they were about ready to leave. And the EMT uh, said to me, um, you, you don't, you, you don't want to get in the ambulance, let's just go. I said, no, no, that's my wife, I want to see her. He said, no, you, you don't want to see her in this condition. I said, look, I'm a pastor. I've seen a lot. He said, but it's, it's never been your wife. I said, move. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. I, I didn't want to see that. Uh, she was a bloody mess from head to toe. And she asked me, who are you? I'm your husband. She said, well, if you're my husband, would you help me? I said, I'm helping you. We got to the hospital after the doctor had time with her. He sat down with me all alone, and he said, listen, your wife's in trouble. Uh, Her brain is badly bruised, and we don't know how bad. And you have 24 hours. And in 24 hours, one of two things will happen. Either her brain ceases to swell, and she has a future, or we do a major surgery, and she's in trouble. And you have 24 hours to pray. You know what I did for 24 hours? I got everybody I knew to pray that God would rescue her. Now, what's the point? (laughs) Of those two texts, it's that before God, our condition as human beings and our soul on this earth is not a party. Before God, sin is a car crash. And under Satan, the consequences of sin is death. And life and death are on the line, a lot physically like Marsha was in that moment. And, and we are desperately in need for our soul to be rescued. 
And God so loved us that he sent Jesus. That's, that's the big deal. That's the point. We need to be rescued. See, our name, 12 Stone, is rooted in the rescuing hand of God. It's rooted in Joshua. And Joshua chapter 4 tells the story of Joshua overtaken for Moses. And now the nation of Israel is going to go into the promised land. And God goes before him and he parts the waters of the Jordan. And they get to the other side and they take 12 stones and they stack them up representing the 12 tribes. And that, was that stack of 12 stones is a reminder of the rescuing hand of God. Look on the screen. Just let's, let, let me read it for you. Yes, God, your God dried up the Jordan's waters for you until you had crossed, just as God, your God, did at the Red Sea, which had dried up before us until we had crossed. This was so that everybody on earth would recognize how strong God's rescuing hand, how strong God's what, church? Rescuing hand is, and so that you would hold God in solemn reverence always. It's where we get our name. The rescuing hand of God, yes, even into the New Testament, the rescuing hand of Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter one. He, Jesus, rescued, say it with me, he what? Rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, we know that the condition of mankind and the world around us, listen, everybody you know and everybody you don't know is destined to hell because of sin. And we live in a world that doesn't believe that. And Paul preached in a world that didn't believe it. And Jesus came to a world that didn't believe it. But it is still true. And God so desperately loves us that he sent Jesus to rescue us. And John chapter 17, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus said it this way, Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have what? What's next? Sent them, my disciples, into the world. Jesus is sending us in the world to join him in rescuing people. Look at your teaching notes. Here's kind of your fill in the blank. This is our why we exist, 12 Stone. We are here to join Jesus in rescuing those who are near us but far from God. Yeah, that's why we're here. We don't pretend that the, everybody's doing fine. Look, you don't, we don't walk around the world and say, oh, they're fine, they're fine. All they need is a little bit of economic help and that'll solve it. No, 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 we know, we know the condition of the soul. Therefore, we have compassion, we have urgency, and we take action. That's what we remember why we're here. And then we rejoice. See, when God rescues, we rejoice. Listen, when that 24 hours was over and, and, and it looked like Marsha would be okay and we went through a very long, she, she had broken bones and she had surgeries and, and, and she had t needed time to recover and her brain to come back. God was gracious. But I'm telling you what, by the time she became whole again, this guy and our family and our friends and a whole bunch of you were rejoicing because God had rescued her. That's what's happening in Acts 17. Let me go right back to it in verse four. Some of the Jews were persuaded what does that mean? They were saved, born again, rescued by Jesus. And they joined Paul and Silas along with a number of Greeks. <laughs> Meaning the Jews and the Greeks were coming to faith in Jesus. They were being rescued. And rescued people rejoice. I put that in your notes because I want you to know it. I want you to say it with me. In fact, we'll put it on the screen right there. Everybody say it with me. What is it? Rescued people rejoice. Now one more time with kind of 30th anniversary passion. Ready? One, two, three. Rescued people rejoice. Of course they do. That's why every time somebody comes to faith, we celebrate as a church and we applaud. Really, that's awesome. And when they come up out of baptismal waters, we celebrate because all of heaven rejoices. So this video you're about to see, this video, 13 minutes, is our 30th anniversary video of sitting down with a handful of people, four couples who were part of the early church in the Jazz Now, there were more than that. It's just that you can only put so many at the table, so I had to limit it, but that's fine. 
They represent the group that was there at the rental jazzercise space. And we take time to remember and then rejoice in what God has done and is doing. Enjoy. Well, this is an exciting time. We are celebrating our 30th anniversary as a church. And who can believe it except that uh, we're part of the crew that was at the Jazzercise. So, and obviously there were more than us at the Jazzercise, but we only had so much room at the table. So we get to do a little reminiscing. And Marsha and I wanted to take a, a few moments with you. In fact, we could go around the table. I can remember Melanie, you and Robbie. You came before uh, Robbie did, didn't you? Yes, I came about two years before Rob did. And um, <clears throat> I was probably about 27 or so. And uh, I had been in the church a younger and walked away and um, had quite a bit of rebellion and time away from the Lord. And when I came to then Crossroads 12 Stone, um, just reconnected and uh, rebuilt my relationship cool with the Lord. Yeah. yeah, you came from some rough places and God was turning your life around. And I don't know if it got better because you got hooked up with Robbie. That <laughs> <laughs> was the best, actually. Uh, and Robbie, you were all excited about coming to church, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was head over heels with Melanie. So um, you, you loving, were forced. Loving my life uh, and in... <clears throat> We, I remember and we drove up in the, uh, her car and I said, all right, I'll go in. I'll do anything for you, honey. But I'm not giving them any money. <laughs> and I'm, How's that I'll, working? I'll come every year. It, it hadn't worked any. <laughs> so it was great. It was great. And then Barry and Gene and the other guys would clean up. And I felt so bad. So. Um, yeah, I, that was set up and tear down. Yeah, days. set up and tear yeah, down. Yeah, I got a ton of us. like you said earlier. <laughs> I got sucked right in. Yeah, you yeah. did. You did. <laughs> Best thing ever happened to me. And Barry, you came up for softball. Oh, uh, that I did. Yeah, you yes. were committed. <laughs> very, very deeply, deeply devout. And what well, you had to, yes. like, didn't, you, didn't you have to attend so many times to play? That was the rule, as I was, or so I was yeah. told, that I had to come two Sundays a month. Yeah. So. <laughs> I would it's come. I literally counted them and came yeah. every other Sunday for yeah. the first month or two. So yes. And if everybody uh, at Twelve Stone who heard the Whitewater story, where Marcia said, "Be a man," and uh, some people got thrown into the uh, water, you were on our raft. Uh, yes, into was, the water you went. I was one and of the other lucky three to you get were. get yes. almost drowned. Yes. And who did you? Who pulled you out of the water? Uh, my now wife did. That's so right. it was fortuitous. <laughs> That's spectacular. You were 15 years old I was 15. when you started. Not then. Not then. <laughs> I said when you started coming. I started coming. You want me to do better math? Let's not put that out there. I could still run for office. So. <laughs> All right, you were 15 when you started coming, way before you met Barry. Way before, back in the movie theater. Yeah, actually. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because my brother worked at the movie theater. That's right. And he started coming, and then my parents started coming. Eventually, I was like, okay, I'll go with you. So, mm. And you came to faith in Christ. How old were you? I was 19 years old. And I was baptized when we were at the Jazzercise, and we did not have heated baptisms. No, we didn't. <laughs> so, just for the record. And then you guys get married, and we will be married 25 stories. years in September. That's crazy. <laughs> Speaking of a lot of years, let's talk about you, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph and Lori, yeah. You know, I remember when you and I got hooked up. How do, how do I guess I put it in your words? You knew early on God was going to do something. We had been going to a church over in Swanee up until that time. And um, so we came over on that Sunday not knowing what to expect. And um, it was, it just felt great. It was a, a young crowd. So we sat up front mm -hmm. 
And um, back then they did dramas, Marcia sang, you know. And um, so it was a great service. When you started preaching, though, as, as uh, you were getting into your sermon, and I don't remember the exact line or the principle or spiritual principle, whatever it was, but we had the kids sitting between us, and um, you said something. And when you did, Laurie and I just, our heads were like magnets, you know. We just looked at each other. And there was a connection made at that time that just was undeniable. And so we, we bought in and set up and tore down each Sunday. And, and for you guys as well, you had young kids at the time. And didn't you jump into teaching? In 92, I started teaching Sunday school. It was in that little room next to your office. And we sat around the break table and like the whole third, fourth, and fifth grade Sunday school was one table. And we all sat around one table. <laughs> there were just a few of us. In yeah. fact, eventually, Angie, you, uh, you jumped in with children's ministry. And I remember saying to you, look, you're, you're gifted, you're trained, you're a teacher. You can help us out. And we spent lots of, lots of Wednesday nights there doing clubhouse with all the uh, little, little kids and some great memories. And um, now mm-hmm. to see those kids as the next generation, mm-hmm. those are the young people now that are now having mm-hmm. the babies. It's a beautiful thing. It's it? a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to see them yeah. grown up and just, mm-hmm. you know, take an active role in, in fact, the church. really, who would have thought? Uh, we've been reminiscing uh, together even, even before this conversation over the kindness of God mm-hmm. and the faithfulness uh, of His hand upon us. And really, uh, for you, Part, part of the reason we want to have this moment, uh, I know there were more than you at the Jazzercise, but from that time till now, uh, you have been so faithful in prayer and you have been um, so deeply into things God said he would do in the lives of people. And watching you guys uh, pray over the years and serve so consistently and every time uh, God stirred something new, you guys would give and sacrifice and pray and serve and model and God kept changing lives and uh, really <clears throat> we wanted a chance to, to sit down and celebrate and say thank you and um, I know God gets the glory but if not for your faithfulness we wouldn't be able to celebrate uh, what we have at the present nor what God is going to do in the future and uh, we're not the only ones uh, that want to say thank you to you so if uh, you'll give us that moment uh, they'd like to come in and say thanks as well. of your present uh, church family. And uh, there are some of the people whose lives have been changed because back uh, at a jazzercise, we said, maybe God could do more. 
and again and again and again over the years. Uh, we all prayed together and served together and God changed uh, more lives. So here's some of the 12 stoners, uh, not all of them, but they represent the thousands. <laughs> and uh, they want to uh, share some of their stories and say, uh, thank you for your faithfulness early on. So, uh, hey guys, <laughs> I'm Rick Ricker. This is my wife, Shauna. We're part of the Snellville campus. And um, our story started back in 2012. Yeah, we were invited through um, my cousin, and we were also invited through a neighbor. So we started here, and Rick loved, you know. I loved he loved the message. Yeah, the adult service, and uh, we went back, and we went back. And we haven't stopped going back. And then Rick and I got baptized together at the Central Campus on um, January 19th, 2014. Which, ironically, was the same day that we got engaged 12 years earlier. So, just, it wasn't planned that way. That's just the way it felt. It's when Travis told us we were going to be baptized. And I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. So grateful. So my name is Megan Pritchard, um, and I am from the Flowery Branch campus. I've been attending 12 Stone for about two and a half years. Before I came to 12 Stone, um, right after my freshman year of college, I went through the roughest season of my life. And as I'm sitting in my bathroom one day, questioning why am I even here, and I'm on the edge of, of taking my own life because all the words that are going through my head are, you have no worth, you have no purpose. And I just hear this voice say, you need to text your friend Madison. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. But I reached out to her and I just said, hey, Madison, just wanted to catch up. Like, let's go get coffee or something. And, and she goes, oh, cool. Well, I'm going to the college service at my church tomorrow night. Why don't you come with me? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, why not? Like, I guess we're going to church. And what I didn't know was this is not a normal night. It's this, this night of worship that they're having. And the pastor steps up in the middle of, of the worship set and he says, I know that some of you might feel like you have no worth. And I know that some of you feel like you might have no purpose and you might not know why you're here. The same things that the night before I'm telling myself as, as I'm ready to just give this all up. Um, and he says, but Jesus gives you worth and Jesus gives you a purpose and you have a reason to be here. And I just dropped to my knees. I've grown up in the church, in this church my whole life. My parents, they've been taking me here since I was little, and um, it's, it's been a good thing for me uh, growing up. Kids like my age tend to make bad choices, pick up bad habits. Uh, it's been good going to this church because it's helped me take more right turns than left. In 2008, I was actually very lost. Um, I was uh, you know, abusing drugs and alcohol, it just seemed to be my life. And I think we all have a story to tell because of what you did. I can't imagine my life without 12 Stone. And I know that it's because of God, but it's also because of what you did, because of your faithfulness. Um, so thank you. Thank you for serving us before you knew us. Um, we were all thought of, we were all prayed for because of you guys, so thank you so much. I was like, you know, in and out of jail numerous times. Uh, got here to 12 Stone, uh, joined the small group, got involved with the church, met my beautiful fiance, and then now we're about to get married, putting God first. Not only was my life changed, but my entire family's life has changed because now they're all 12 sooners. It's amazing and it's inspiring. Uh, and, and we thank y'all 
very much. You guys got to know we're, we're extremely thankful, and, and that chain that you guys started has affected many more lives. It would take me forever to tell you even some other things, but I just want to make sure you guys know yeah. that we're thankful. It's just a blessing. I just want to give you guys thanks for that. Without you guys and your prayers and, you know, just being constant and praying for me, I don't know where I would have been. I probably would have been dead or in jail. So I just want to say thanks. Thanks for everything. Um, so I'd just like to thank you guys very much. I said yes to Jesus, and He rescued me. He's changed my life. He's given me a purpose. So thank you. Thank you for praying for me before you even knew me. Thank you for not giving up on this. God's not done yet, and He's not done answering your prayers yet. And He has so much more in store. So thank you. Thank you so much. not a cool thing. Rescued people rejoice with rescued people, don't they? And when you see that and you remember and you rejoice, then you want to re-up. You want to what? Re-up because you want to see it continue. More lives rescued, more lives transformed, more people sent into the mission for the kingdom of God because you know what matters most. And so let's talk for a moment about re-up for what God wants to do next. When Jesus said, and John 17, as the Father, as you have sent me into the world, so now I send them. In other words, God's sending us. What does it mean when he says he's sending us into the world? Let me see if I can unpack this a little bit. I think the point is this. He wants to get us to the other side of the table. Hear me again. He wants to help us grow to the other side of the table. He wants us to grow where? to the other side of the table. Let me talk about it for a moment. See, as you watch the video, you, you watched, and there, there were people that would come in and share their story on this side, but, but what you notice is I started with a group of people, eight, eight people, four couples, and they sat on this side of the table. And these were the people who were living sent. These were the people who served for the sake of reaching and rescuing people far from God. These, these were the people who were giving financially and sacrificing all. These were the people who were, who were inviting people in. These were the people who were praying. These were the people who were doing everything they possibly could in order to be used by God to see lives change. On this side of the table, these were the people who would come sit down and share their story. And, and this side of the table is cool because when God brings you to his table, what he does is he rescues you. So this is where you get rescued. Everybody say it with me. This is where you get what? Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. When you've been rescued, when you've been brought into relationship with God, but he doesn't want to leave you on this side of the table. It's not just rescue you, but it's to take you to the other side of the table where you're transformed. Where you're what, everybody? Transformed. So you've got to grow to the other side of the table. Here's what I mean. Here's why you've got to grow. Because when you're rescued by God, you're being served. You're what? You're being served. See, this is the side of the table when you're being served, and in a way, it feels like it's about you. 
Oh, you come to worship and you gather in and, and it kind of, you can like experience all that's been prepared for you. It's kind of like sitting at a, at a buffet and your kids are cared for and students are cared for. College ministry happens, a worship band, tech, details, people serve, everything's set up, you experience it, you go to small group. Oh, it's awesome. And there's a way in which you, you're being served, but that's not the end of what God has in mind. God wants you to grow across the table and you become a part of those who are serving. You become a part of the transform. You do what? Live sin. You, you, go, you go to this side of the table. But see, there's a challenge from that side of the table to this side. And, and, and the risk is that you get stuck. Say it with me. You get what? See, when you're rescued by God, there's a risk of getting stuck on this side of the table. Just listen. See, there's a way to be rescued by God and still keep it about you. And it's dangerous. It's destructive. It's where you're being served and you decide that that's what it's about. And that walking with God is just about you. So your roots remain shallow and they don't go deep. And when the weight and reality of life comes your way, you don't have the roots and the substance to walk well. Or you get caught in the weeds of life and it chokes out the life of God because you're so materially drawn. You live so deeply in the physical material world that you haven't risen up to. You haven't crossed the table. Listen, you can get so absorbed in self that you never live sent. You don't get across. The tug of war keeps you. In fact, you can get stuck on this side. Many times people can grow to the other side and begin to live sent and over years drift back and get stuck again. You ever watch how some people do social media when they talk about churches? Have you ever noticed how often people talk about churches like it's a restaurant? Like they went there to be served and then they do evaluations on how well they were served? I mean, maybe that informs you as to which side of the table you're living on. The disciples struggled with that. The, the, the disciples were like, hey, this is all about being served. And God said, Jesus, no, no, no. The kingdom of God is about serving. That's where greatness is. Get to the other side of the table. You're supposed to live sent. See, I think the question God is going to start asking us at this church for the next two weeks, the next six months, 12 months, two years, three years, five years, are you living a sent life? Write it down. Are you living a sent life? Now listen, that may not hit you as a big question. That may hit you as like a dollar, like a dollar thought. Oh, that's just worth a dollar value. But listen, if you will stay in this, if you'll come the next couple of weekends, if you won't just passively come and say, okay, I want to be part of the 30th, but I don't, okay, fine. But if you want in, if you want to know how large that thought lives sent is, you'll be here the next couple of weeks. You'll begin to jump into the training. You'll begin to be absorbed and you'll discover that God breathes life into that. And because it's not, you soon you'll say, this isn't a dollar idea. This is a $5 idea. And then God will breathe more. And in the next few months, it'll start to breathe. He's, oh, this was a $10 vision. Oh, this is $20. Pretty soon, oh my goodness, this was $50. It's a $100 vision. You'll realize that God enlarges it until you discover this is the biggest vision God's ever given our church if we would just live sent. It's that transforming. That, that's why there's a new why and what in your bulletin. Because of the rescuing hand of Jesus, we pursue personal transformation one life at a time. And that transformation is evidenced 
Transform people who live blessed, trained, and sent. That's like in your notes, blessed, trained, sent. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But maybe a more practical way to explain live sent is to add the idea of being on map, on mission. Everybody say it with me. To be what? On map, on mission. See, Paul, the apostle, went to Thessalonica. That's where God had him on the map. That was his little dot, if you will. Everybody got their dot, right? Pull your dot out. Everybody pull out the dot that you, you received from the, from the ushers earlier. And, and, and that little dot represents where Paul was. He was out Thess- Thessalonica. Now listen, Paul didn't have to be anywhere else. Where he was on the map was where he was on mission. Let me ask you a question. Where, where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you go to school? Where do you do life? Where do you shop? Grocery shop? Where do you do your other shopping? Where do you do sports? Where do you recreate? Where where do you vacation? Listen, wherever you go, wherever you are on the map, this dot like represents where you'd be on the map, you are on mission. You don't need to go anywhere else. You don't need to go do foreign missions in order to be on mission. Wherever God has you, listen, 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 wherever God has you on the map, that's where he wants you to witness for him. That's where he wants you to what? Witness for him. You should all join in that. That's where he wants you to witness for him. Listen, listen. Wherever God has you on the map, that's where he wants you to serve. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do. Today, we're going to take that little dot. Go ahead right now. Put your initials or name on it. I don't care which. Your initials or your name. And you're going to go out in the lobby today, and part of our re-upping is going to be you're going to place this. You see the map? Every, every campus has a map unique to their campus, and, and just put it close to where you live. And we're just going to see. If, it's, if you know, your spot isn't on the map, just put it on the edge. That's fine. And, and, and together, we're going to remind ourselves that God has us on map, on mission. Listen, here's what I want you to see. Ready? You are on mission every time you leave your house. That was good. Doggone it, that was good. You are on mission every time you leave your house. People are like, well, I'm going on a missions trip. But like, like all of a sudden, now I'm on mission. No, every time you leave your house, you're on mission. I got this cool idea. At least I thought it was cool. I, a car, we have a window cling, a new window cling for us. And it says live sent, only it's really, really small. You know why? Because it's not for everybody to see. It just goes on your driver's door window. See, check it out. So that every time you get in the car, you remind yourself, I'm on a missions trip right now. Every time I get in the car, I'm on a missions trip. God has sent, it's not for anybody else to see, it's just for you to see. Listen, one matters, that goes on the back of your car, that's for everybody else, because one does matter. We want them to know they matter. But for you, you are living sin. I'm telling you, in the next couple of weeks, and then in the next few months, and as training comes in, God's going to mess with us. Let me illustrate. I was a couple months ago, uh, three months ago or so, I was with a group of ladies, 12 stone ladies, uh, where we were discussing, they were giving me kind of some sharpening and some ideas uh, on the, the women's prayer gathering. And one of them said, PK, would you just train us how to witness? I've been a Christian for years and I don't know how. That was, that was so profoundly arresting to me. Spirit of God whispered in my soul and said, that's on you, Kevin. How on earth did you let that happen? Back in the jazzercise days, you trained everybody in how to witness. Everybody knew how to share their faith. God, forgive me. But we are going to deconstruct and reconstruct some things in training in the next 2018 at this church. And you are going to love it. Some of you might, might want to be pioneers And you're like, what's a pioneer? I want to be a pioneer of this. You'll learn next week. I'm going to explain what pioneers are next week, among some other things. Because we are on map, on mission. Now listen, the Apostle Paul might even add to this idea of live sent. He, He might say it's not just on map, on mission. 
it means to cause trouble. To do what? Cause trouble. And I know you like that. Let me read it for you in Acts chapter 17, verse 5. But some other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they couldn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers out to the officials, and they were shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come to us. These men who have caused trouble. These men who have what? Caused trouble. I loved that. I fell in love with it. That's what we do. We go cause trouble. But, but I don't mean troublemakers for the sake of trouble. And you might get it wrong. So I got to correct. Because some of you cause trouble no matter where you are, what you do. But, but I, so I want to read the context. In the original language, it means to stir up sedition. It means inciting people to rebel against authority. What Paul was doing was not causing trouble in the way a, a, a drunkard caused trouble. He was confronting a way of life that is rooted in godless thinking and empty living. And he was stirring rebellion from it. Listen, Jesus did not come merely to save people from their sin. He came to cause trouble for their old way of life, to lead people in a rebellion to their old way of life. So Paul was causing trouble for good, for people who are spiritually far from God and rescuing them, that they would no longer conform to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of their mind, walk in the will of God, and have a fulfilling life. That's what it means to cause trouble. In church, we are here to cause trouble, yeah? We are here to cause so much trouble. And so join me. Join me in living sin. Honestly, I wanted to make cause trouble the title of the series and everything we go do next, but that's immature. It's not time yet. We're going to get to cause trouble. I'm going to do that this fall, and we'll talk about inciting a rebellion. But right now, we got to learn how to live sin because the impact of living sin is causing trouble for the enemy. <laughs> and that'll be spectacular. And we're in the middle of it, but God has more he wants to do. So join me. Re-up. Re-up today. And by the way, this whole re-upping thing means if you could just begin to imagine what God would do if we would be trained to live sin and go play it out. Can you imagine over the next two, three, four, five years, maybe at our 35th anniversary, what we celebrate is that we can name and we can see 5,000 people who live sin. They've been trained, they're 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. Can you imagine if in five years we had 20,000 people and that was the only vision who now know how to live sin and they were doing that over these last several years. Do you know what that would do? That would, that would create a rebellion. That would cross trust. That'd bring a revival, an awakening in a territory. They'd never be the same again. Imagine what God could do if we would just walk with him and live sin. So re-up together, shall we? And by the way, this only adds fuel to our campus, growing campus vision. We launched five campuses three years ago and said over the next five years we want to put 24-7 space for each one of those. Three of them are done. Next week we'll talk about Buford. The following week we'll talk about Bethlehem. And if that's not enough fun, think T-shirts. Put it on the screen. We all gonna get us a live sent t-shirt so we remind each other what we've been called to and everybody gets one for free. You just gotta go online and put your size in and you'll pick them up on February 25th because this is just gonna be a fun season where together we figure out live better than living for self. Live how? Yeah, live sent. So as I turn this over to the campus pastors, we wanna pray over you a prayer of re-upping and then show you the four things that you take action on at the bottom of your notes. So bow your heads with me, let's pray. Father, what a joy to be your sons and daughters. We don't see the world as fine right now. We know this world's in trouble. It's not a party. They're in a car crash. Life and death is on the line. And you came to rescue. Father, we join you. We re-up to join you in rescuing people who are far from you and near us. God, awaken this 
Send us, O oh God. Train us in the coming weeks and months. Transform us, reset us, get us to the other side of the table. We put our little dot on the map and say, God, where you have me on the map, would you help me be on mission? We say, gracious God, do a deeper work. Train me, teach me how to witness for you. Teach me how to serve like you. Less self, more of you. And we'll give you all the glory because what you've done is amazing, but what you're gonna do is even better. Do this in us and through us. We re-up today. Many of us are whispering that prayer even now for your glory and for the lives that'll be changed and someday in five, 10 years, we'll be sitting on the other side of the table hearing thank you for your glory. In Christ's name, everyone agreed saying amen.